Hello, this is Megan Field, and you're listening to the Intuition Conversations podcast, the show for people who are curious about intuition and the practical ways to connect with and trust your internal GPS, the inner compass and sacred container of your innate wisdom and power. Season two of the podcast is an opportunity to go deeper into a series of themes which I choose based on following my own intuitive breadcrumbs. My vision for this podcast is to deepen our individual and collective connection to our intuition and bring together a worldwide community of curious, intuitive souls. If you're loving what you're hearing on the podcast, you can share your thoughts with me over on Instagram at Megan Elizabeth Field, and you can head over to my website, MeganField.com, where I regularly share my classes, workshops, and retreats, which all offer further online and in-person opportunities for you to deepen connection to your intuition. I'm so excited to share the wisdom in today's episode with you. So let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to season two of the Intuition Conversations. This is Megan calling in today with Anna Durkin. So this is the first time Anna and I are meeting. So I'm incredibly excited to get to know Anna through the context of our conversation. Anna's based in Montana and she curates unique, intentional, off the beaten path trips for her clients. Anna has translated her passion for exploration into her business, Seek Wild Travel. And together with her clients, she co-creates dream experiences that are meaningful, inspiring, and immersive. Ooh, I think I can't think of anything better for me um, in terms of a relational exploration of travel through the lens of this deep dive of personal passion, because I bloody love traveling. And uh, and I can't wait to get into it with you, Anna. So over to you. Please tell us about yourself in your own words. Yes. So, yes, I live in northwest Montana with my husband and my two little kids who are two and four. So I'm in the depths of motherhood with toddlers. Um, yeah, we decided to move to Montana from Virginia uh, about seven years ago. And we were looking for a different lifestyle, um, kind of get out of the hustle and bustle of the DC area that we were in. And it has been the perfect relocation for us. And it has brought us really closer together. And able to explore the outdoors a lot more, which was part of that move. And yeah, here we are and living just a full life with kids. And I also am an ultra trail runner. I've been running for over 20 years. So um, that allows me to get out in nature, but also pursue my passion of uh, just pushing my limits a little bit and um, a great, great community. So uh, running is a big part of my life and along with my passion for travel. So yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Oh, thank you so much for that. Okay, there's a lot to unpick there. So, but before we do that, I'd really love to hear what intuition means to you. It's the question I ask everybody. It's what we lead with and then it's kind of the lens that we move through in our conversation. So what does intuition mean to you? So when I think of intuition, it really is a word that has very deep meaning to me. So um, the depths of it really comes to like the soul for me when I think of what a so the soul is of each of us and following our intuition, as most people like to say. Um, but in a way, I like to think of it as like following your soul and what lights you up, what inspires you. And so whenever I get to a point where I have to make a decision, um, and people will say, follow your intuition. And so I think, 
okay, well, what is my soul trying to tell me right now? What is going to create the next step that allows me to align the most peacefully with my soul? So, um, and it might take, you know, several days to kind of dive into that, right? If you're trying to make a change or a move into something new um, and following that intuition is, um, it needs to be heartfelt and and soul searching in that kind of way. So it's not always just such a um, instant thing, although it can be. Um, I think that our intuition is meant to be honored and a slow approach <laughs> should be taken when, when trying to uh, lead a life full of intent. Mm. I love that you mentioned, um, you know, the difference, the, the different paces intuition can move at, but there's a word that you mentioned um, that I really love is that like, what is my, you know, what are the, what is my soul trying to tell me to create what aligns the most peacefully with it? And I love that word peacefully. Like that's what, you know, that's a, that's a really, like I can relate when you said that, I really felt that like, yeah, like that's what like intuition doesn't want, like, you know, doesn't want chaos. Like intuition doesn't necessarily, it might cause chaos originally sometimes, (laughs) but like ultimately it wants grace. It wants peace. It wants alignment. And, and so I wonder, you know, if, if you could talk a little bit about that move you made seven years ago from Virginia to Montana and Um, What was the role of intuition in that move? Yeah, so we decided um, that kind of what our background is and what we wanted to come against, I guess, is um, the the lifestyle that we were living was trying to compete, right? Trying to be like everyone else, push the limits, and, and it was just like this very like hustle feeling all the time of trying to get ahead um, or try to compete. And we kind of just reflected with each other like this isn't this isn't what we see our lives as being, you know, it's not a competition. There's not this hustle that we feel like we wanted to have. We just wanted to live um, in an environment that was not only about you know, obviously supporting your your lifestyle that you want, but supporting yourself in a way that was fulfilling. Um, and something that we like to say about being out here in this more unique environment for us is people don't ask you what you do. They really ask you like, what do you do as far as do you go skiing? Do you go hiking? Do you go boating? Do you go fishing? <laughs> and so we love that idea of just how are you living your life that like your job is not the purpose of life that um, diving into the world is the purpose of life. And um, every part of your life should be reflective of, of a lifestyle and a dream that you're, you know, trying to achieve. Uh, So yeah, that was like our, our big (laughs) heartfelt moment of, of moving out here. And I, I had worked in the park in Glacier National Park for a summer and after I graduated school and I decided to go back to the city and do the city thing. And then I met my then, you know, we were just dating at the, at the time. And, um, you know, I met him and we're like, we don't need to be in this like 
this environment anymore. And um, yeah, so he actually moved out here sight unseen and is never going back. <laughs> and, um, you know, he grew up in true like suburbia and he, that's all he knew. And so when he came out here, he was like, oh, this is like another way of living. Um, I had actually grown up in the mountains of Virginia. So a gorgeous, beautiful, amazing place. Um, but it was just time for change and time for something new. So, um, yeah, the connection and the mountains were calling <laughs> for sure. And I mean, that seems almost like an unlearning. I mean, I can really relate to what you were saying around this hustle, competitive culture um, that I think a lot of us are, you know, conditioned and socialized and normalized into of like, you know, I must work all, I must work in this way to have these things in this way to, to, to increase and then to increase the things that I have, to increase the size of my house, to increase the amount of money. It's all of this, this, you know, this consumeristic way forward where it's where like the hustle is like, as they say, the hustle is real. It's, it's nonstop. There is no, there's like a conveyor belt and you're on it. And the pressure is like squeezing you from all angles. And so in terms of, you know, stepping off that conveyor belt, stepping off that treadmill of hustle culture, um, how was that for you? And how has that unlearning been for you um, in terms of uh, the way you live, the way that you choose as a family to live now? Yeah, so I would say I'm still on that journey um, because it's so embedded in our society. Um, and you can still find it here too. Um, and it's amazing how you have to kind of, make sure you're watching out for it because it will just creep back into your life. And then you realize like, Oh, I'm just competing again. Or I'm, I'm just living because that's what other people think. That's how I should be living. Um, and so you have to do a lot of reflection and then weed it out as it creeps in, you have to like slowly weed it back out. Um, but I think it's a journey. I, I think it takes a lot of time and energy to kind of figure out what is that perfect balance. Um, because it is nice to be successful, of course, um, but really watching out for it because I do think like the rat race just comes and finds you no matter where you are, because we're so connected now, the world, it's hard to be just completely on your own island, nor do you want to live life like that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, each, I, I would say daily, you have to make decisions of just keeping on like following your own path. And, um, I do think the environment here makes it a little bit easier for that, but doesn't mean that it doesn't creep up all the time. Mm, yeah. You mentioned, you know, it's nice to be successful. And I suppose is some of that sort of transition from one place to another and that sort of daily choice, as you say, to like, oh, to choice to like recognize, okay, I'm getting drawn back in to, you know, to this, to one type of culture, to the rat race, um, the creep that comes back into it. Like um, in terms of those choices that you're making or the choices that you're making on a regular basis against that, against that push or pressure, what does success in, in life mean to you? I just, that's a massive question for the first 10 minutes of our conversation, but here we are asking it. So, you know, in terms of that, you know, unlearning and moving away from, from one way of living, you know, what has success started to look like for you over the last seven years? Yes. Um, I think just connection with yourself is, success. <laughs> and that takes a long time to figure out. And especially becoming a mother, 
um, you're, talk about relearning yourself and making sure that you're not forgotten, right? Um, so yeah, I think that it takes me just some time, you know, to really, to dive into that. Um, and I, I think success, at least for me at this moment, it is about feeling fulfilled by the time I rest my head on my pillow at night. <laughs> and for me to feel fulfilled, that means that, um, I've helped someone, you know, in my business, I feel like I'm helping and, you know, serving people. So feeling service to others, um, making sure that I have the connection with my children and my husband, and then, and then ultimately with myself, because if I don't have connection with myself, then I can't be successful in any area of my life. Um, and that's been a learning curve for sure. And so meditating and doing my little yoga practice and going on my runs and time outside. Um, those are so foundational to me feeling like I'm successful. And um, it can be so easy to kind of forget yourself in, in the mix of everything. But when it comes down to it, serving others, connection, and um, bringing myself to the forefront is is how I label success. Honestly, I love that. <laughs> um, I I really relate again. I really relate to that. Like you know, the the combination of serving others and serving self, and that connection to others, connection to self, and like really in the, at the intersection of that, like being held by your environment and the land around you, and getting out in nature and being able to, um, you know, feel held and be part of something that's bigger than the connection to yourself. That's bigger than your connection to your people and your community. It's like it, you know the 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 most universal connection, which I really feel is when I'm in nature. Um, okay, so I want to ask you like intuition in a million things, but I think, you know, where I want to start and then we're going to loop back. I want to loop back to being an ultra trail runner because that I don't relate to. This body is not for running, but I'm really curious about that. I'm really curious about intuition and motherhood, but I really want to talk to you before we get into those two things. And I promise I'll loop back to them is intuition and travel. So tell me, take us on a journey, Anna, of where this passion for travel in your life got started and then how has it landed you or how have you landed and chosen for yourself a life where expansion of possibilities for travel for other people is now your business right so i i would say as a child travel became um just a, a lovely addition to my life <laughs> um my mom would take us um my brother and my sister on what we call discovering. And we would just jump in the car and we would, um, you know, growing up in Virginia, we have lots of historic sites, lots of nature at our fingertips, uh, just interesting places to visit and see. And yeah, she just took us and we would, we would drive and find cool things along the way. And I just always loved, you know, we would step onto, you know, a, a beautiful garden or, um, you know, down a path and you never knew what was like around the bend. And I love that idea of discovery in that way of just being in the moment, being present and discovering what's around you is just so exciting to me. And so then as I, you know, traveled more in my young adult life, um, started to go on bigger trips, international trips, things like that with my sister. And it just kept going like that fire in me of wanting to 
explore and discover things. Um, just, it really lights me up. And to this day, it still like gives me butterflies of like, yay, new places, new fun things to see and do and experience and different people to be around. And so then I decided to um, study hospitality and tourism in college. And that, you know, just kind of cemented like my place in loving the industry. I actually, you know, was in it for a long time and then took a little break working, doing something different. And um, then I just, it just was calling me, calling me back. And I knew I wanted to serve people in a different way than just at a hotel or, you know, that kind of environment or a museum, that kind of thing. Um, and so that led me to what I'm doing now and, and helping others. I love that. I love that the seeds of that, um, being in discovery, that's really what comes through in that, in that story for me is this, the seeds of that being in discovery started with your mom and her opening up that, you know, that window into new places and spaces. And, you know, it could have gone either way. You could have like really hated it, like never left your hometown or, you know, but it, it became like, it became part of your identity and who you are um, in terms of continuing that into your work today. So tell us a bit more about Seek Wild Travel and the work that you do with your, with your clients in terms of opening their their pathways for being in discovery. Yeah. So I specialize in what I like to call off the beaten path travel. Um, so I, I do not book like resort stays or cruises or all inclusive kind of properties. I don't do any of those things. So um, what I focus in on is getting people one to a place they've always dreamed, right? Cause everyone has like that dream trip in their head of where they want to go. Um, and then through the travel planning process, I try to just make sure that we're integrating um, certain components into the trip so that it becomes a more meaningful experience. I like to call it a, an experience more than like a vacation or a trip um, because there's so much that can come from, from travel. So buffering in downtime, I think is really important. Um, like I said, getting off the beaten path is very important to what I do. Um, and I don't want people to come home and feel like they need a vacation from their vacation. <laughs> That's like the worst. So I want it to be a rejuvenating, inspirational um, experience so that when they come back home, they get to appreciate their world a little deeper. Um, because I do think when you leave your home and then come back, there is like this sense of like comfort. And then you can start to look at the world a little bit differently in your own, you know, your own life. Um, so the, tra the, the traveling part of it, um, there's just so much to it, but as far as like serving others, I'm just making sure that one, they actually go on a trip because some people don't have time to plan trips. So that is really the primary first thing is, um, allowing people to finally dive into travel and take that burden off of them because, Travel planning can be stressful. It can just be one more thing added to the plate. And then people decide not to do it because of those um, hurdles. So I'm trying to break that all down for them and expose them to travel. But then the next phase is making sure the experience is what they want it to be and is full of meaning for them. Amazing. Okay. So 
I really appreciate that, like not needing a vacation from your vacation, um, or as we'd say in the UK, like not needing another holiday when you get back from your holiday. Uh, and, and you know, I think that like for many reasons, you know, I certainly like as a, uh, now my son is a teenager, but, you know, we traveled extensively. I traveled extensively with him when he was young and uh, it was hard work <laughs> a lot of the time. And I came back from beautiful places like Mauritius and you know and Scotland and 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 Spain and Greece and being completely like I hadn't slept I wasn't rejuvenated didn't I maybe had like half a day to myself where I would like explore some sacred site on my own but it wasn't you know the trip of a lifetime as one might think so um so I suppose it would be great to hear some examples of um of trips that you have helped people um uh, I guess create it's more than just plan it's like you're co-creating with this individual to like meet their intentional needs but also like I'm guessing kind of co-creating with with the land and the space and the and the country that you're taking them to so it would be great to hear of a, maybe a one or two places where you know that you have a connection to that you've helped people form a connection to as well yeah so um although uh, when I say like off the beaten path, there's still well-known places, I'd like to say, um, but making sure you go down like the back streets and and listen to what the locals say. Um, so an area that I have a lot of connection to um, is Rome. And I love, I do love planning trips that are in Rome. Um, and one of the great things about Rome is being able to walk around I love being able to just kind of cut out the, the need for a lot of extra transportation um, because how nice is it, how lovely is it to walk out of where you're staying and just be able to walk. Um, so that that is one place that is a joy for me to plan for people. Um, but it also just, there's so much rich culture and history and the foundational history that a lot of people feel when they're there. Um, but there's a there's obviously a big spirituality part to the area um, and it's gone through so many different changes and things like that. So it's very cool to see the progression of people have lived here forever, you know, and um, the layer upon layer of history. And it brings you back to the fact that there's been people on this earth, you know, living similar lives to us. It may look different, but overall there's that connection of, I think it's so important to have that connection to the past um, to realize that there is this greater world and your life has greater meaning than just your simple daily grind. Um, and so I think traveling to those kind of places that have a rich culture and history um, to me is just so fulfilling to plan trips like that. Um, we're actually headed um, to Scotland um, on Monday in a couple of days. And yeah, and and part of like the same thing, um, you know, the more places I can travel, the more guidance I feel like I can give. Um, and I have this strong desire to go there. And that's how I want people to feel when they're going on their trips, that it is a strong desire to be there. Um, and same thing, there's so much ancient wisdom in, in being around places that have a rich culture and a rich history. And I think that planning to those destinations um, and the more experience I have in those places, then I can help people dive even deeper. So um, pretty much everywhere I plan, I have had an experience of or soon will have an experience of um, because 
like I said, I think destinations that have like cultural history and deep connection, um, which a lot of um, people that I'm around, um, you know, our country is fairly young <laughs> in the U.S. So when they go over to Europe, especially to places like that, um, the the connection and the deepness is is very different. It's the ancestral land is what how we look at it. Um, and so it's diving back into your roots and, and going for it. So a lot of people that I plan trips for um, have a desire to be where their ancestors were. Um, and I, that allows you to have that deeper connection, that deeper existence. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a deep dive into that part of travel. Oh, so many things to to pick up on. So you're kind of starting where you left off. I, I really understand the diving into the ancestral connection. I'm third gen American. My mom's in pretty much entire lineage comes from Ireland. And so I did my first trip to Ireland when I was studying abroad um, in my junior year at university. Uh, I was living in Spain, but I traveled as many places as possible. Um, I'd only been on a plane like two or three times in my life before I uh, lived abroad in Madrid for a year. And then my parents, who were both teachers and didn't have a ton of money, they made it possible some way, somehow that I was able to have like the junior year abroad of like my dreams. And Mm -hmm. so every weekend, pretty much for nine months, I was traveling. And then I did a one month traditional backpack on trains all over Europe. And so, you know, we, my friends and I, we would go to all sorts of parts of Spain and all parts of Europe. And I did a week in Ireland for the first time. Um, And, you know, I was only 20 at the time. And that was really important to me because I knew I was Irish and really associated myself with Irish culture. And then once I moved to England, when I was back in 2006, which is a long time ago now, um, I uh, began to explore sort of my English lineage. And then certainly over the last three years have delved really strongly into my Irish and my Celtic lineage as well. And I live on uh, Celtic land here in Cornwall and that land and that like they, the, and the honoring and the diving into and the understanding the sacredness of, of my, my ancestral connection. And then also the ancient wisdom of this land and the ancient wisdom of the people who've stewarded this land for so long is really important to me. And, you know, and interestingly, you know, I grew up in the ancestral and unceded lands of the Wampanoag and the Massachusetts people in the States. Mm. And I have done a huge amount of research and, you know, and, and, and desire to understand the, the people who were stewarding the land before it was colonized in the U S um, on the land that I benefited from growing up on. And there is, there is some information and every, t- certainly every time I go back to visit family in in um, outside of Boston, you know, I'm, I'm looking for more research. I'm going, to exhibitions, I'm looking into paying land tax and all of those things um, to uh, to the to the original indigenous folks who uh, were on the land way before my ancestors were on it. And um, and interestingly, I've moved to a place in Cornwall, which is 30 minutes from Plymouth, England. And I grew up 30 minutes from the colonized Plymouth in Massachusetts. And you know, in, in my in my hunger and my desire to understand the intersection of my of my biological lineage and then the ancestral lineage of land that you know definitely formed how I grew up and who I am, 
Um, I, I find myself in April and later on this month going to a Wampanoag takeover at the theater in Plymouth, where there's a group of indigenous folks who have come over and they're showing it in, like it's the 400th anniversary of the of the Mayflower and everything. And so there's this unbelievable exhibition here. And so, like, I love that. I love that, you know, that 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 my hunger for understanding the intersection of sort of place and identity and colonialism has come to me in the city I now work. So, um, I, you know, I, so that's a, that was a little sidebar, but kind of coming back to, um, to this, like all of that, all of that exploration comes from, like you said, this desire, almost like a calling from my intuition, from my soul for that, into that explanation, into that exploration, into that discovery. And so I would love to, um, I'd love to, aside from uh, Scotland and aside from Rome, two places like that you've mentioned, where has your intuition called you? Like what's the your favorite place that you've been to and what's your favorite place that your intuition is calling you forward into going besides Rome and Scotland? Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, you know, what's really interesting is um, I, I would say though, my heart is so in Virginia um, there is so much, um, you know, history there as far as the start of our country and things like that. But there's also this, this other foundation of the land is ancient in that way. Um, the mountains that I grew up in used to be as tall as the Rocky Mountains and they are just have softened, you know, and um, and you can still find arrowheads and of the native people that lived there. And there is something very unique about, um, I grew up in the Shenandoah Valley, and there's an ancientness to the Shenandoah area and those mountains. Um, there is something very unique about that place, and it will forever be um, deeply ingrained in my heart um, and in my spirit. So I would say that, that that is just some place that I always do go back into, because it was the foundation of my life. That's where I grew up. Um, I grew up playing in the woods and exploring the apple orchards and there were pastures in front of our house and um, the smell of the woods, the smell of um, being out there and exploring will always just be such a big part of me. You know, as far as like what's calling me, kind of kind of two different areas in general. Um, I would say that the the lifestyle of the Scandinavian region and people is has really been calling me because of the simplicity of life, um, their connection with nature, and overall their um, you know as they keep being ranked as like the happiest places. There's something to that, and I truly believe their connection with nature is is part of that. And the more we can connect with that, the happier we will all be um, and more fulfilled, I believe. So that is an area and a region that is really calling me because um, I've done a lot of like the Central Europe um, trips and things like that. But I do believe that um, that whole region to the north <laughs> is definitely calling me and um, I plan on, on being there as soon as I can, because it's been, it's been on my mind for a long time. And, and I want to guide people through that region more than um, the central European regions that I tend to focus in on. Um, so, yeah. A place that I've never been to myself, but also, you know, feel like 
which was just a beautiful place to spend some time. Um, and, you know, just a, just a reflection on um, the, the idea that when you move away from the place where you first, like where I often say, like where your soul first met this planet, where your, where your soul initiated itself onto this planet, when you move away from like the area that you grew up in and then make some other place your home and like, and, you know, being in America, but moving to another state, moving across the country, like it's like living in another country, you know, it really oh, is right. like, right. and so that's, that's always that interesting thing when you become uh, apart from your homeland, right, wherever you call that, and then, and then your relationship to travel, coming back to that homeland. And certainly, you know, I've, Live, I lived in Central America before I moved. I lived in Nicaragua before I moved to the UK. So I've lived really for the better part of, you know, 20 now, 22 years out of the States. And and I still will say like, oh, I'm going home to Boston. And I guess like my whole family's there. So family and land and, you know, and home are all kind of mixed into one. But, you know, the idea of like traveling and almost now, I definitely feel like a tourist in my homeland. And, um, and I think that's a really interesting shift that happens when you move away from where you grew up and then the that call of travel or not in some cases like but for me certainly that call of travel to go back and visit that land and visit my family is is always really strong it's sort of like an anchor a barometer that I you know that I come back to um and so like as many places as I want to see on this planet and experience like I have that as well it's like not that it's like I have to go there. I do want to go there. And, you know, that is also particularly as travel prices go up, 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 up. It's, you know, it's harder to manage that the balancing of that pull, that desire to be home and the desire to experience new things as well. I don't know if you experience that too. Yes, definitely. Um, and as you said, it, um, moving across the country in the US, it is like a totally different environment. I mean, everything is as far as trees are different. The, the land is different. Like every, everything is very different. Um, and yes, now I have uh, like an even more of a greater appreciation to that foundation of where I grew up. And so because I have that connection, I want my kids to also, um, kind of experience it. So it's, it's so fun because now I see it through new eyes and, um, I always appreciated it while I was there. Um, more so than I think a lot of people did um, because of my childhood. It was just so rich in um, exploration that, um, yeah, the call is always, is always there to, to go back um, and visit and see it through a new, new lens. Yeah. And I, you know, I was, when my son was younger, I was really adamant, like we'd go almost twice a year if we could. And then I'd have my, you know, particularly my mom and dad, my mom especially would come over and visit us because it, for, for me, it felt so important to keep that connection to that part of myself and to my history um, uh, open to him. And now, you know, we're, he's about to be 14 and we are you know, next week about to book him his first solo travel to America. He's British. He was born here. You know, he, as he says, I identify as 90% British and 10% American, despite the fact that his father is German. So go figure out those maths. But, you know, at the same time, I think, you know, because he, you know, he's very British, speaks with a British accent, very, you know, very, very English in some, in some respects. Um, and yet 
uh, you know, he has this, because I think of how much travel we've done, that part of his identity um, and his like biological lineage, I suppose, of being American or, you know, eth um, ethnic lineage, not biological necessarily, but that ethnic lineage um, has come through the travel, has been a, 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 um, awakened and uh, and kept ignited through, through travel. Without us going back, he wouldn't have that connection. And he's really excited. I mean, he's like, super into basketball and you know stays up really late and watches NBA games and there are certain parts of American culture that he you know has really integrated into you know who he is and that changes over time but it's really interesting to see and travel fuels that um so I'd love to ask you um you, you mentioned that you know so much can come from travel and I was just talking about like how like my son's identity as being American has like has been you know has been initiated and then I think uh, kept alive through travel. And I was wondering, like, in my experience, like, I often say that when, you know, a lot of travel, particularly the kind of travel you're talking about, which is like, you want it to be meaningful, right? A lot of that, like, sometimes it feels like a pilgrimage, like, particularly if you answer that, like, desire or pull to a place where you've always wanted to go, like this dream place that for you have no idea why is calling you to it. Um, I, I often say that they're like that a pilgrimage is um, is can often help you remember the miracles and the magic that you forget at home in your everyday life. And so I wonder if you could speak to that and if the and if the clients that you work with have that experience of of remembering themselves when they're taken out of their homes. Right, exactly. And um, yeah, that's the power of travel that I want people to experience is um more of a self-discovery while they're out and about, um, not only to, um, you know, be in inspirational in those things, but, you know, there's a lot to navigate when you're traveling, especially if you're traveling um, internationally, you um, have to kind of bring yourself through in a different way and maybe be more assertive than you normally would be, or um, you have to problem solve and you have to figure things out. And I think by, doing all those things and taking like that leap um, with yourself, it's creating that self-trust. And the more that you can have self-trust when you come back home, the decisions you make will be a lot easier, right? Because you're like, I trust myself to make this good decision. Um, and that's the skills that I believe that you, you learn while traveling is the, and the more you travel, the more self-sufficient you become and realize um one that you can trust yourself, but also that you don't need all of the baggage that you think you need <laughs> literally and figuratively. Um, because you often find that when you're traveling, life becomes simpler, right? You're not doing that daily routine that you think you have to do because all of a sudden you're like, well, we're doing this today and we're going to be flexible. And all of a sudden you become like kind of this different person because you're like, let's just roll with it. And you realize travel is more fun when you're, when you just kind of go with the flow. Um, and so you can bring that back home as well with you of like going with the flow with self-trust. I don't need as much things as I think I need that simplifying life is easier. Um, and it's all those little components that you bring home with you that makes travel not only in the moment meaningful, but when you come home, you you feel like you've entered into like a new chapter with yourself and your relationship with yourself. Mm. Yeah, I often say that like when people come to retreats with me, I say like you come as you are 
and you leave as more of who you are. And I think that's, you know, and people, most people travel to be here. They go on a mini pilgrimage, even if it's across country in, in, in England or even cross Cornwall in England. And I love all of those points that you, as, as you were going through those points, I remember my first experiences, uh, particularly in Europe and then living in, in Nicaragua and, you know, that's, that's like that magic of like tr- of self-transformation. Like, you know, you're oftentimes in, you know, I remember, oh my gosh, I remember like traveling and I remember the, I remember this one situation where my friend and I were in Rome um, and we, you know, we spoke Spanish, not Italian. And we were, but my friend was convinced that her Spanish would translate to Italian. It did. Let me tell you, it did not. And I'll tell you why, because we were in this restaurant and we ordered fish and, and we definitely missed, it was by, it was weighted not like the price on the thing. The price on the thing was was by kilo or whatever it was. And we got the bill and we were expecting to pay like, you know, I don't even know if it wasn't even euros each. It was whatever came before euros. This was in like 1999. You know what I mean? And um, uh, who, like, who knows what the currency was? Lira? I don't know. That's Greece. I have no idea. But I remember the bill was about 10 times what us poor students were thought it was going to be. And we lost our shit and we were just like, how the fuck are we going to pay for this? What are we going to do? And it was in, and ultimately, you know, we called, you know, we called our waiter over and we got to the point of like, we are so sorry. We really misunderstood. We are just, you know, dumb young students and, um, and we literally cannot pay this bill. What do we do? And he said, listen, I can, I, and like, at first he was like, you're idiots. And then secondly, we were just like, you know, we're, we're like, we, we just really don't know. Can you help us out? And we were kind. We didn't, we were really polite. We didn't lose our shit. Like, we like internally we were losing our shit um, but is there you know is there any way you know you is there anything you can do and he cut the bill by 50 percent. he said that's what we can do for you and so it was like and that felt like a miracle right and and I remember that like it still was an extortionate amount of money for fish um and but it taught me a few lessons in details and in not overestimating my uh, language abilities and also in um in maintaining uh maintaining a real sense of like of respect and 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 humility and and kindness in in different situations that again you know it's like i you know i i would wouldn't be forced i wouldn't have like found myself probably in that situation in you know milton massachusetts where i grew up because i speak the language and and i wouldn't have been in just like oh let's go into this like well that looks a little fancy let's give it a go and uh i wouldn't have necessarily made all those choices but yet it was a you know it was a lesson that just i hadn't thought of i haven't gosh i haven't thought about that in like 25 years probably but you know it's that resilience it's that you know thinking through situations it's that like you said the like going with the flow like if we had to have if we had to wash dishes for the rest of our 3 days in rome i would have had to do it you know what i mean to pay for the fish but it um and and then certainly like the lessons when i backpacked for a couple of weeks across europe and like i packed so much stuff and my rucksack was so heavy and i was like you know, under a hundred pounds and like five feet tall. And my backpack weighed like, you know, two thirds of my body weight and was as tall as me. And literally as I went from place to place, I was shedding my connections to things and shedding stuff I didn't want to carry anymore. And, um, and I want to say I'm like the, you know, like if I have a 23, uh, pound or 23 kilo baggage allowance, 
I will fill that probably. I will probably fill it, but I also have a suitcase that I can roll along. And I also know like the difference between like backpacking and going, like taking a tiny little rucksack across country and being in London to for a couple of days because I don't want to carry it around and being able to wheel my stuff onto a plane and then take it to a hotel. So it's like, like travel has taught me how to navigate so many things in a way that staying at home never would have. And, and I do, and I do really, really recognize the privilege and all that. Cause like, like I said, travel is expensive and travel costs a lot of money. And I recognize that like, I have spent most of my disposable income probably on travel over, you know, more than not over my lifetime. And I want to ask you about that in terms of like, do you help people who have a dream, but maybe not all the money in the world for a luxury holiday? Do you help make their dreams like of travel come true in terms of being financially accessible to them as well? Yes, absolutely. I truly believe that travel should not cost an arm and a leg. (laughs) Um, And there's so many ways to travel that allow for you to go where you want to go. And honestly, if you are conscious of how much you're spending, um, it does become more meaningful, right? Because you're not just throwing money to the wind. You're, you're being intentional about where you're staying and what means, what matters to you for the trip. Um, So yes, I would say, that one of my primary goals is to make travel attainable for people. Even though I charge a fee for my services, overall, they're going to pay less because it's well-planned out rather than uh, waiting too long to book. And then all of a sudden things have got, you know, there's only the expensive places to stay are available or um, by well planning your trip, you save money. And um, one of the biggest things is I'm a, proponent of off-season, shoulder-season travel. Um, I don't like crowds. (laughs) I don't want to stand in line in the hot sun. Um, So there are so many places you can go in the off-season and get a better experience for less money. Um, It just doesn't have to be crazy expensive. I also love to um, rent guest homes for my clients and for myself. Um, there's a different experience by being able to be integrated in the community that you're staying in. Um, oftentimes when we stay in a hotel or a larger hotel, um, you're kind of like removing yourself from the community that you came to see and visit and be a part of. Um, so I'm I'm definitely a big proponent of guest homes or bed and breakfast situations or, um, you know, historic lodging that that allows you to be part of the place you're visiting. That's the whole point is to become part of that community and experience it from a real personal level, not just from this touristy surface level approach. Um, and by doing a lot of these things, you actually save money <laughs> and have a better experience. So, um, yeah, I truly believe that there are so many ways that you can travel without spending a ton of money. Um, I do it every trip I go on. I do not try to spend a ton of money. (laughs) I try to be very reasonable because I want to be able to keep doing it. Um, But I also think that when you're flexible, your trip can cost you a lot uh, less money. Um, And so keeping that in mind, and I kind of help coach my clients through that you know, as far as being flexible and a little more open-minded. And they always see that in the end, it's worth that. Um, And, um, you know, as far as flights, that tends to be the higher ticketed item, especially traveling from the U.S. into Europe. And um, there's a way around that too. (laughs) I find deals all the time, but it's because I'm on the lookout for them. 
And that's what my clients don't always have the option to do, right? They're busy with their lives. They don't have time to search the web for um, cheap, affordable tickets. You know, they, they can't jump on things like that. They're busy people. Um, and so that's why the services I provide enable people to travel because I'm looking out for them in their best interest. Mm. It feels almost like, a, you know, there's like when you describe it like that, and thank you for all those top tips, really appreciate it. Um, uh, it really feels like there's a balancing of, you know, almost like a, in your work of like this sort of project management, kind of like masculine structure to getting to the planning, as you say, um, but also infused with this intuitive feeling feminine, um, way of guiding your clients and, and, and your own experiences as well. And I wonder if you could talk to that sort of, how do you manage that? Or like, what is that balance like for you of the, of the structure, but also the intuitive fluidity? Right, right. So, um, I always think it's good to have a structure because that is what's going to lead to a successful planned trip, right? You want to make sure you're on time for the flight. <laughs> you want to make sure that you've, you've put down the deposit for the reservation. Those are those structured things you have to have. But then infused in that is the ability um, from my part to be heartfelt and to act like it's a trip that I would want to go on. Um, it has that emotional component, right? There's, it's not cut and dry. Life is not cut and dry. And although yes, booking the tickets and the reservations and making sure that you have those things lined up overall, um, the experience, like you said, is infused with that female side of me, um, that once that connection with my client and then their connection with the travel experience to be softer and slower and um, a more of a um, fluid, you know, fluid kind of um, experience. Um, I just think it's so important that we have both of those components in us. We have structure in us and we have that flow. So um, to combine the two of them is, is kind of a really fun opportunity for me um, as someone who wants to guide people. So um, yeah, I, it's just a balance, but I would say overall the heartfelt part of it probably takes over. Um, and then the structure is like the side component to make sure it actually happens. And I think that, that thank you for describing that. And and I think that relates to what you were saying about this um, intuitive move that you made from one part of the country to another in terms of moving away from that like consumeristic hustle lifestyle um, into a more heartfelt, uh, you know, heartfelt, connected, um, slower way of living held by nature. And it sounds like that's the kind, those are the, you know, even in like a city like Rome, which is like hardcore, lots of people, right? It's, it sounds like you're trying to bring that, like, you know, that experience of like really savoring travel. So it's not like this packed itinerary where like, you know, you're going to see seven old ruins in Rome in one day. And then, then you're going to do this and then this and then this, and then you're going to come home, like you said, exhausted. It sounds like that, you know, that application of that removal of pressure to consume everything about a place, but to really have a meaningful connection to the community, to the, to the, to the lineage, to the history, to the wisdom that that place holds so that, you know, that connects and deepens into your lineage, your history, your wisdom um, is, is uh, really kind of, you know, reflects your decision-making in your life seems to have reflected the decision-making you do on a regular basis in your business. Right, exactly. And 
Um, I have the approach that you will come back to that destination if it means something to you and that have that in mind that you will come back and you can do more, but to cram it all in is not going to lead to a experience that you really want. Um, and the slower approach, the getting gelato, um, on the side streets. And I mean, my husband and I went for our honeymoon to Rome and we got gelato like two or three times a day, <laughs> but it was just like, as we're discovering, like, oh, let's try this place. Oh, let's try this place. But because you have that flexibility and you're like, well, we'll get to where we want to go. We'll get to that Coliseum. <laughs> but, you know, just having that approach is, I will go back. I love that place. I will go back. And um, I I like to make sure I'm like coaching people through that of it's not about seeing every single thing. It's about enjoying it and savoring, like you said, the experience. Mm. <laughs> I can't have dairy, but like the idea of gelato three times a day sounds awesome. Um, and I love that example of like, you know, you know, you can always, you always have choice right and I think that's a really important thing and like and um being able to experiment with spaciousness and choice when you're traveling as well like I think that's you know that and then and then having those like having a series of choices lead to like an amazing like almost magical um you know spontaneous but also hugely like serendipitous experience like when when that happens it happened it's happened to me like I can't tell you how many times when I travel like that sort of just trusting my intuition and saying like oh I'm just gonna sit in this cafe for for a few hours and see what happens see where life takes me and then like one thing will lead to another it's like these intuitive breadcrumbs and and I like you said you, you learn to trust yourself and and oftentimes it's like if I can do this here you know what else can I do what else am I capable of and I really love that about like the the doors and the windows into one's soul that travel um, can really ignite and keep opening. So, and I want to pivot just a little bit um, in terms of, because I'm real curious about this, uh, this, uh, this other part of you, which feels less soft, but you tell me if I'm wrong, um, uh, in terms of being an ultra trail runner. So like, I just need to bring this in, um, in terms of what that, what's that like? And where does intuition come into that experience in your life? Yes. So um, I, I always like to say that I didn't just one day wake up and decide to run like crazy long races, that it was a progression that my body took. Right. I started running when I was very young. I ran competitively in, in high school and college. Um, and then as the competitiveness, you know, of like going to races and things, it's kind of like, well, I love this running, but how else? What do I really love about it? And what trail running does for you is allows you to be in nature um more often because you have to train you know out in outside no matter if you're in, on a trail or uh, you know i do lots of road runs too i'm a mom i have to just make quick decisions on where i'm going to go um but running in general um is such a amazing connection for me for myself and yes it's exercise that's kind of a sidebar for me um running and that quiet time. I don't, I don't run and listen to music or anything like that. It is, it is time for me. It's reflection time. It's time to notice what's around you. What What's going on in the community around you? What are they building here? You get to see every new bud on the tree in the springtime. You get to see that first leaf drop off the tree. Um, there's that whole environmental connection, but then there's also this inner connection of 
no, noticing your breath, noticing your footfall on the ground, um, your hair swinging through the wind, you know, that kind of thing. And there's that connection to yourself, the environment. Um, and then diving into like the ultra stuff, which is anything over basically like a 50 K and, and up is considered what they consider an ultra. Um, but anything, anytime you're out there on the trail for long hours at a time, there is so much self-trust <laughs> that has to happen. And you have to remember to run. I love the saying of like, run the mile you're in, like run where you are right now. Stop thinking about, oh, I have 40 more miles to go. Think about where you are right now and getting to like that, just that next point. And then you think about getting to that next point, which tend to be aid stations where you get your water and your fuel and everything that you need. Um, and it allows you to be more present. That's what running really does. It allows you to be present with yourself, the environment, and, um, so much self-trust, especially when you start to get into longer distances, um, self-trust that, you know, how to fuel, right. Self-trust that yes, you're in pain right now, but you know, you will be out of it. Um, so the mental part of running, especially the longer distances, when it gets challenging, um, every time I finish an ultra, I'm a new person. I truly believe that you come out the other side as like this, just like travel, you come out the other side as this different person because you've gone through the challenges. Um, oftentimes ultras, you'll be out there for six to 12 hours at a time. Um, and in that time you've experienced the conversations you've had with people are amazing. The ultra trail running community is just amazing. The community um, you chit chat with people you've never talked to and you do it for hours. Um, then you, then weather will come and all of a sudden you're like dealing with the challenges of, of hail or rain or wind. Um, and then the challenges of fueling and, and hydration. So, um, yeah, there's just this self connection that happens with running and especially when you're going out there for, you know, in the middle of nowhere, a lot of times in nature, um, it's just so powerful. So, yeah, it's a it's a huge part of my life. And although it seems like it might be really rigid and tough, um, I don't think of it as that way at all. It's actually a softer um, part of my life uh, and something that I love. Oh, well, you've described it really beautifully. And it feels like, you know, that kind of what you were, again, like looping you back to what you're saying at the beginning in terms of what success looks and feels like to you, um, which was really around, you know, serving others, as you said, connection and um, bringing yourself to the front. And it sounds like trail running is a big part of that for you. Um, and certainly the ultra part is as well. And and I guess like one of my final questions would be like, in terms of um, that making space for yourself in relationship to being a mother and how does that work? And if you, I'd love if you could talk to like how you balance the, bring yourself to the forward, to the forefront, doing your ultra trail running, running your business, and also being in a relationship and, uh, and having young children. Yeah. So what I try to do is basically incorporate those children in my, in what I do, right? My kids into what I do. And so they know that mom is going to go on a run right? They know that they, well, I want to take care of myself and that I enjoy that. Um, and with travel too, I'm taking them wherever I go. And although that's challenging and difficult, um, it's worth them to see, see me in a different environment. It's worth them having that experience. They may not remember every detail of the experience, 
but that's not the point. It, the point is being in the moment and experiencing it. Um, and so I really just try to have them tag along. And then of course I have to bend and be flexible to their needs. Um, and it, it, my travel now is much different than it was when I was single, right? It, it is what it is. It's an ever evolving thing. Um, but I would say the motherhood journey is a journey. That's exactly what it is. And I've learned so much in this short period of time. Um, so much that I could say that I have so much more to learn and so much more to do in that area. And every day you learn something new about your kids. I mean, and yourself. <laughs> so, um, I would say that that's just a journey that I'm on and I'm, I'm, try to give myself as much grace as I can, because it's not easy to run a business, be a mom, be a wife, you know, do all those things and take care of yourself at the same time. But all I can do each day is try. So. Oh, well, thank you so much for that. And, and ask, I have two more questions for you. And the first would be, if you had a message from your intuition to the folks who are listening to this podcast in this moment, in this now moment, what would that message be? I would say, um, take time for reflection. Um, I know that is so hard in our culture that we live in, um, but it can be in such simple ways throughout the day, five minutes here. Um, and that's why I, I bring up the whole point of, of something I love to do is, is meditating. Um, and man, is that hard as a mom, right? You're not going to always like have the perfect time, but I have found that taking that quiet reflection just allows me to like restart um, more refreshed, especially if I can do it first thing in the morning. So often I'll get up early and creep upstairs <laughs> and find my little quiet spot to have that reflection. So I think if more people could reflect on what they're doing in their daily actions, they might take a different approach. Mm, that is such a good, good reminder. And it's often in those spaces of reflection where we get the kind of clarity we often are seeking or we externally seek sometimes like clarity about how we want to spend our days, where we, where in the world we want to travel to, what kind of choices uh, do we want to make in, in our work in our family lives and, and ultimately for ourselves. So Anna, you are an utter delight. And so if someone wants to connect with you, what is the best way to do that right now? Yeah, I would say Instagram seek wild travel. You can follow me there. Um, send me a message there. It's easy. Um, but also my website is a great resource and you can learn a little bit more about me and my services and that's seekwildtravel.com. Um, and yeah, just connect with me, whatever is the easiest for that person, because it can be challenging. And that's why sometimes Instagram, you just send me a quick message and we can hop on a call and, and just start, just start chatting and discovering what you want. Oh, I love that. Well, Anna, it's been awesome getting to know you and to understand more about who you are and the work uh, and the sacred work that you're doing in the world right now. I'm very, very grateful for your generosity and your time and for now knowing you. And this has been the Intuition Conversations and we'll see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope it spoke to your heart and inspired you to connect to your own intuition. Check out the show notes for more information on the things discussed in today's episode and details of how to connect with our speaker. Absolutely get in touch with any feedback from today's episode and the podcast generally. You can find me at Megan Elizabeth Field on Instagram and on my website, meganfield.com, which I update regularly with my classes, workshops, and retreats, which are all opportunities for you to deepen connection to your intuition. 
Don't forget, if you're loving what you're hearing, please leave a review and don't forget to hit follow if you want my show to automatically be on your phone every week. I hope to hear from you soon. Thanks for listening.